Well, welcome Church, Church Online. So glad that you have joined us today. And in fact, if you didn't know, we're actually having an outdoor service as well today. So we are just figuring out, Church, how to do online and in person well. But I'm glad that you have joined us here online today. For those of you who perhaps this is your first time, my name is Ellie, and along with my husband, we pastor Exchange Community Church. And before I go any further today, this week was actually Veterans Day. And so I want to just take a moment to honor all our veterans. I know there's a bunch of you in our church. I know a bunch of you have um, family members who've served. And so on behalf of Mark and I, on behalf of Exchange Community Church, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your service. Awesome. What a great country to be a part of. And, um, you know, 2020, I, I don't know, there's lots of words that have gone on to describe it, but needless to say, it certainly has been a very interesting year, and I don't know why, given everything that has happened already, given the craziness that's already happened, I somehow thought that this election process would be smooth. But nonetheless, here we are. And, you know, we actually planted exchange in the summer of 2016. And so for those of you who are from America, you probably do remember that it was a pretty ugly and divided election season. And so we said this statement regularly at the churches we were planting, as we were forming the foundation and setting the culture of who we are as a church. We'd say it regularly during our, ex our exchange track. But I just thought it would be a good time just to remind us of who we are as a church, the vision of this church, and what is important to us. So if you're looking for a church where everyone doesn't vote the same, if you're looking for a church where everyone doesn't look the same, nor do they sound the same, then this is the church for you. But if you're looking for a church where the entire leadership team is going to vote exactly the same way, if you're looking for a church where the entire leadership team looks and sounds the same, then perhaps this is not the church for you. Our heart, our vision, is that people would know God, make him known, build his church, and then bring heaven to earth. That is why Exchange Community Church is here. 2020, like I said, interesting year to say the least. Not one that we could have planned for, but perhaps we could have been prepared for. And one of the things I love about Mark's preaching, about Mark's teaching, is he doesn't necessarily speak to my today. So sometimes when I listen to his sermons, they make more sense to me when I go back and listen to them a few months later. Because when he spoke it, um, it's the way his propheticness, I guess, comes out in his preaching is that sometimes he preaches a few months ahead of certainly where I am at. And so these last few weeks, uh, and I do this regularly, I go back and I listen to some of those messages because perhaps when he preached it, I wasn't quite in the right uh, frame of mind to receive it. And there's two um, particular messages that I really, really, really encourage you, church, to go back and have a listen to. There's one where he talks about healing and how healing is waiting at the intersection of forgiveness and repentance. The healing, the healing that you and I so desperately need, the healing that our country needs right now is waiting at the point of forgiveness and repentance. 
You know, um, on, on Sunday, actually last week, I was tired, I was frustrated, I, I was just vulnerable, I hadn't had a really good time with God, and a friend, a dear friend, someone who I love dearly, and I consider a close friend, someone who I'd want to do ministry for the rest of my life with, sent a text, and for whatever reason, what came out of me was not godly, was not a godly response. It was stupid and it was just so unbelievably ridiculous, right? I snapped at her when I had no right to do that. The next morning, having my quiet time with Jesus, like I do every single morning, and instantly the Holy Spirit said to me, Ellie, you need to repent. And in that moment, I got down on my knees and I said, God, I repent that I spoke out of frustration to this person and then as soon as I'd had my time with Jesus, I reached out to this person and I said, hey, would you forgive me? I spoke out of turn. I spoke out of frustration. I lashed out at you when it was not even at you that I was frustrated at. I said, would you please forgive me? Our friendship, our relationship has an opportunity to heal because at that intersection is what? It's forgiveness and repentance. The two of them go hand in hand. And church, I pray that you'd re-listen to that message. The other one that has just been on my heart and I've been listening to over and over again is people are not your enemy. The enemy is our enemy and people are redeemable. And so I want to encourage you, go back, listen to them, get them back into your heart. And I always consider it such a privilege when Mark asks me to preach. I take the responsibility of sharing scripture, of bringing what God has perhaps been speaking to me privately to you all publicly. It's a great honor for me. So thank you, Mark, for the opportunity to preach today. And the word that I have in my heart is the word hope. So as you're writing notes, write down the word hope. Hope. It's a great, great word. We're going to look at what is biblical hope, where does hope come from, and why is it so important right now to talk about hope. So church, before we go any further, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your authority. Holy Spirit, we pray that you are present in every single home. Lord, we thank you that you can reach every single person. Lord, we thank you that the words that I speak today are not just from my own mind and from my own heart, but God, they're from you and they're for your people, and they're for your church. So we thank you, Lord. Your word is not returning void today, but it shall accomplish everything it was set out to do. And Lord, right from the onset, Lord, we pray that the people of exchange would be men and women of hope. And Lord, for anyone that is not feeling very hopeful right now, God, I pray this message speaks to them and encourages them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hope. Well, what is hope? Firstly, it's not wishful thinking. Although that would be kind of cool, right? If hope was just the things that I wished for. If it was, then the stairs up in our backyard, we have like this hill, would have been completed because the Lord knows that I have been wishing that somebody would finish those stairs in our backyard. And needless to say, they're still not finished. I often wish that someone would clean our house and um, needless to say that doesn't always happen unless Mark and I get in and clean it. I, I wish that when I come into the ministry center it would be all nice and clean. Hope is not wishful thinking, right? Hope is something 
far more concrete than that. So write this down. If you're looking for a concrete definition of what is the hope that I'm talking about today, then write this down. Hope. It is the confident expectation of what God has promised. Confident expectation of what God has promised. Because hope finds its strength in His faithfulness. Hope is not wishful thinking. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's confident. It has expectation in what God has promised. We don't hope for what we see, because that wouldn't really be hope, right? We hope for what we cannot see. And therefore, it's confident expectation in what God has already promised, because hope is found in His faithfulness, not in our goodness. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And I'm sure some of you are saying a sigh of relief that she's finally out of the book of Matthew. Yes, I am. So we're going to look at Hebrews 6, verse 19. And it says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. We have what? This hope as an anchor for our soul and it is firm and it is secure what a beautiful beautiful promise what a beautiful look at the hope that you and i have today it is sure it is steadfast it is firm it is secure and that hope is an anchor to our soul so what are we saying here i'm not exactly a boat person i'm going to be honest with you i do love the ocean but an anchor is external to the boat, attached to the boat, but external to the boat. And biblical hope is the same. It is, we're attached to it because we're attached to Jesus, but it's external from ourselves, meaning the hope that we're talking about, the confident expectation is not something that comes from us. Why? Because just like the anchor, it needs to be external to the boat to steady it. Right? The hope that you and I have steadies us, firm and secure, because it is external from us. That is the hope that we have. And so when we fasten ourselves to Jesus, to biblical hope, it is sure and steadfast. All right. Two more things. That anchor, when it is firm, you know, some translations, yours maybe says steadfast, but firm, what does that mean? It means it's not going to break. What a great, great analogy right now. That anchor, that hope that we have as an anchor to our soul is firm, which means it is not going to break because it is made of good substance, good iron. So there need be no fear of that chain snapping, regardless of what is thrown at it, regardless of the storm that that boat might find itself in. When that anchor is placed in the ground, it is firm, it is strong, it will not break. And that is the hope that you and I have today. It is firm. It is also secure. What does that mean? It means once that anchor is dropped into the ground and whatever comes, whatever pushes against that um, boat, it's not going to drag along with the boat. What purpose would it be to drop the anchor and for that anchor to move with the boat? No, that anchor is secure and it is firm and it holds you and I no matter the waves, no matter the storm, no matter what is coming at us. 
what an awesome promise, right? What a beautiful, beautiful hope it is that you and I have. This hope is a firm and a secure foundation, an anchor to our soul, and it is not from us. That's why, church, it really, really matters where you're putting your hope, in what you're putting your hope, because earthly things cannot sustain us. Earthly things are not going to have the jevity, the longevity that a hope from Him does. So let's look to Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to flip back to the book of Psalms. And there are so many Psalms that I could have um, shared with you today, but let's just look at two of them today. What is hope? Where does it come from? Psalm 130, verse 5, says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His word, I hope. Where is it that we get our hope from? Where do we put our hope? We put it in His word. We put it in Scripture. See, the awesome thing about Scripture is that it is steadfast. It is firm and it's secure. Now, society is going to move away from the authenticity of what Scripture says, but you and I, we can put our hope in His Word. And I pray that that is where your hope comes from today. It comes from Scripture. It comes from the strength of the Word of God. Regardless of whether the Word, His Word, the Bible is popular, regardless of whether it's fitting into the cultural norms of the day, we wait for the Lord. Our soul waits and we put our hope in His Word. Psalm 147 verse 11 says this, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. The second thing is our hope is in His steadfast love. Just like that anchor, right? It's firm, it's secure. We hope in the steadfastness of who God is, in a God that does not change, in a God that is good, is always going to be good. His love is steadfast. His love is firm. His love is something that you and I can put our hope in, not just for today, but for our tomorrow as well. Jesus, he's not only the foundation of our hope, but he is the substance of our hope. Just from these two scriptures, Jesus obviously is our foundation of hope, but he's more than that. He actually is the substance of our hope. He's the anchor of our soul, firm and secure. And that's why we do not put our hope, and certainly our hope does not come from our educational system, our medical system, our legal system, or even church, our political system. Our hope comes from Jesus, comes from the word, it comes from the fact that his love is steadfast. There's an old hymn that's just been, I've been singing, I don't really sing, I'll just be honest, I sing way out of tune and to which my children cry when I do, but nonetheless, quietly to myself, there's an old hymn and I'm not going to sing it for you today, so don't worry, but it's on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand and it's written by Edward Mote and I believe he wrote it back in the um, 1700s. And some of the verses from this hymn says this, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope, church, is not in anything else but on Jesus' blood and righteousness. And he goes on to say, I dare not trust the sweetest frame 
but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And the chorus, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And finally, I love this one. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Where do we put our hope, church? Not in our medical system, not in earthly things. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ because there's going to come a day where everything else seems like it's sinking sand and there's going to come a day when that trumpet will sound and may you and I in him be found. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful hymn just to remind us of where our hope comes from. So we've looked at what is hope. We've looked at where our hope comes from. And then finally, why is hope so important right now? And there's two reasons that I want to share with you today. Hope is so important right now, firstly because of the division in our nation. It feels like we are being pulled from side to side. And it feels like everyone is expecting you and wanting you to pick a side. Second reason why hope is so important right now is that the hope that we have is not just when things are great, but there is a hope that we have that we can have in suffering, hope in the presence of the storm. So let's dig a little bit more into these. Hope number one, hope in the gap, hope in the gap. Bear with me. As things appear to get a little bit more divisive, right, and certainly feels that way, I'm sure every generation has come to the point where they felt like things were really, really divisive. What that means is that church, we have a choice. We're either going to be the church that we're called to be, which means that we're going to stand in the gap and we're going to be the voice of hope. We're not going to pick a side. Those are the choices that we have. Church, we either stand in the gap or we pick a side. And I pray that you choose to stand in the gap, not just today, but for all the days that God has given you remaining on this planet. Choose to stand in the gap. Be the peacemakers, like Mark talked about in our church email this week. Be the ministers of reconciliation. Be the light. Be the voice of hope. Be the reason why somebody would want to find Jesus. Stand in the gap. We know from the Old Testament that we see God often looking for people who would stand in the gap. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 22.30, talks about how God was searching. He was searching for somebody who would build the wall and stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. Why? Because when there is a gap, that's when there's vulnerability to the enemy, to the plans of the enemy. What is the plan of the enemy? To divide us, to separate us, to bring division. Nehemiah, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, when it comes to the example of godly and biblical leadership, he built the wall. Nehemiah, in 58 days, built the wall. Fascinating book. If you haven't read it or haven't read it in a while, it's a good one on leadership. Again, same reason is because Nehemiah understood that any breach in the wall, any gap in the wall, would mean that they are vulnerable to the enemy. And that's the same with us, church. When you pick a side and you leave that gap open, or you pick this side and you leave that gap open, it means that we are vulnerable to the plans of the enemy. It means we give the enemy a foothold. Church, our hope is in the gap right now. Our hope is not in picking a side. That is what the enemy would want to do. He'd want to bring division. But what does God want to do? 
He wants to bring unity. There is hope in the gap because that is God's plan. Don't need to pick a side. But it feels like some of us are picking sides. And as we picked our side, what are we doing? We're hurling insults at the people who chose the other side. That's not the biblical representation of the church. That is not what the bride is meant to be. That is not who the bride is meant to be. She stands in the gap. Would you join Mark and I, church, and stand in the gap? Now, I know for sure it's much harder to stand in the gap because it feels somewhat alone, right? You can pick a side, you can be with all your friends, and you can all think the same, and you can all look the same, and you can all vote the same, and it's easy then to find fault in the group standing on the other side. I get it. It's a little lonely in the gap. But I tell you what, there is hope. There is hope in the gap. Why? Because he's given us this anchor that is sure and firm and steadfast. Church, let's remain steadfast. Let's remain faithful. Hebrews 10.23, what does it say? Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. We have an opportunity to be prepared. We have an opportunity to be the bride that Jesus wants to return for. Then let's stand in the gap. Let's stand in the gap. Don't pick sides. Don't hurl insults. Don't call people names. Don't, don't buy into the plan of the enemy right now. Stand in the gap, church. That is our place right now. Second reason why hope is so important right now is because there's hope in the presence of the storm. What do I mean by that? Let's turn to Romans. Romans 5, going to read from verse 3 to verse 5. And it says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And I want you to listen to this. This is verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There is hope in the presence of the storm. There is hope in tribulation. There is hope in tough times because the hope that comes from him, which is beautiful, does not disappoint. Isn't that incredible? I know that my wishful thinking about someone finishing the stairs in our backyard has um, left me disappointed, to say the least. You know, when you think you've taught your children how to put their dishes away and how to clean up after themselves, it leaves you disappointed, right, when people don't follow your wishful thinking. But this is not the hope that we're talking about. We're talking about a hope that does not disappoint. And church, that is why there is hope in the presence of the storm. And someone needs to hear this today. There is hope in the storm because sometimes we don't always get rescued from the storm. Sometimes he wants us to go through the storm, but that does not leave us without hope. That does not leave us without answers. The truth is, as humans, our human nature is to not want to suffer, right? We don't want to experience heartache. We don't want to experience pain. And we certainly don't want people who we love and care for to experience pain. We want to rescue them, right? We want to take all the bad things away so that they can um, not have to experience that because sometimes we want life to be easy. But God never promised 
that life would be easy because our hope and the foundation of our hope is not in earthly things. Now, as a mum, you know, one of the hardest things is to see your children in pain, is to see them struggling. We want to fix it for them. We want to rescue them from that. We want to make life easy for them. And I, I remember when Beckett had his surgery, and some of you might know the story, but at five and a half months, they had to remove the top part of Beckett's skull. And, you know, after his surgery, he, he got home and, you know, we'd be pushing him in the stroller. We were in Houston at the time. And, you know, we'd push him in the stroller. We lived um, really close to the medical center. And all of a sudden, the six-month-year-old would just burst out into tears. And Mark and I were like, well, you're not hungry. You're not cold. You know, you've got a clean diaper. We could not figure out, like, what would possibly be wrong. And after a few weeks, Mark and I realized anytime Beckett saw someone in scrubs, he obviously had a painful memory and he would just burst uncontrollably into tears. Now, as a parent, I couldn't rescue him as much as I wanted to, as much as I wanted to take the pain of that memory away. I could not. But you know what? We could pray over him, we could love on him, we could reassure him, we could hold him, we could be um, loving and kind to him that he would see that we're not going to hurt him. You know, I know we're not alone in wanting others not to suffer. Even Peter, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago when I preached on having the mind of Christ in um, Matthew 16, when Jesus had explained to the disciples that, hey, I'm going to have to suffer. And Peter pulls Jesus away and he rebukes him. And he says, no, my Lord, you are not going to suffer. Because it's human nature, right? We don't want people to suffer and we certainly don't want to suffer either. But Jesus' response to him was, hey, you're being a hindrance to me because you do not have the mind of Christ. There is hope in the gap, church. And there certainly is hope in the presence of the storm. If God hasn't rescued you from the storm, then we can find hope through the storm. And I want to close with this. We know from Hebrews 12, 27, that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Let me say that again. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. That's why our foundation is so, so important. Where is your hope? Honestly, in what or in whom? have you placed your hope? Because the hope that is sure, the hope that is steadfast, the hope that is firm, the hope that is the anchor to the soul is found in the foundation of Jesus and in the substance of who he is. And when everything else has been shaken, our hope is not being shaken. Our faith has been tested, yes, but not shaken. Why? Because it is anchored. Why? Because its foundation is firm. It is secure. Church, that is the hope that you and I so desperately need so that we can be the men and women that we are called to be. Our faith is going to be tested, but not shaken when we have this hope, sure and steadfast as an anchor to our soul. What a great promise. What a great, great promise. Because Jesus, who is he? He's the foundation of our hope and he's the substance of our hope. And because of that, you and I can have hope 
to stand in the gap right now, which is the role and the place that the church should be. Let's not abdicate our responsibility right now. Let's not say it's too hard. Let's not just pick a side, but church, let's stand in the gap. And then church, let's remind ourselves and each other that there is hope in the presence of the storm. We don't have to be rescued always from the storm to know that he is good. No, we can know that he is good and he is faithful and he is loving because he will see us through the storm. I would love to pray for you today if this word spoke to you and then in just a moment, if you don't actually know Jesus as the firm foundation, if you don't actually have him as the Lord of your life, then I wanna pray for you in just a moment. But first of all, I, I want to pray that this word is sealed in your heart today. Lord, I thank you. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your bride. God, we thank you. We thank you right now for a hope that does not disappoint. God, we thank you for a hope that is firm and secure. It is an anchor to our soul. And God, I thank you that as a church, every single one of us are choosing to stand in the gap and to be a voice of hope right now, to be a voice of healing right now, to be the ministers of reconciliation that we're called to be, to be the peacemakers that we are called to be. God, we do not look to our legal system, our medical system, our education system, our political system, or any earthly system right now. God, but we look to you and we draw our hope and we draw our strength from you. So church, we stand in the gap and we remain in the gap, even in the presence of the storm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your word is sealed in the hearts of your people today. Amen. Amen. Awesome. It would be a miss of me not to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart. The most important decision that you and I ever get to make is who do we say that Jesus is? And I wanna encourage you, if he is not Lord of your life, if you've never surrendered ownership of your life to Jesus, then today, this Sunday in November is your day. The best decision you could ever make is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our foundation, but he's also our substance. And in order for us to have the hope that I've been speaking about, we need to invite him into our heart. We need to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And so if you're honest with yourself and you'll say, Ellie, I'm, it's been a long time since I've been intimate and close with Jesus. I wanna come back into a relationship with Jesus. Then I'd love to pray for you today. Or perhaps you've never made that decision. You've perhaps been watching a whole bunch of stuff online and, and you came across this message and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Or perhaps you sat in a church where they, they never talked about being born again, but they never talked about the importance of salvation. Then pray this prayer with me today. And you're not praying that prayer to me, you're praying it to him. But I'm just gonna help you by giving you some simple words to say today. So would you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I come humbly before you. And I ask Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, Jesus, that you are Lord. Give me a brand new start. Give me hope for my future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome.
best, best decision ever. We're celebrating with you. And in fact, we would really love to, um, to partner with you, to connect with you, to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Because we don't just want you to have a moment with him. We want you to have a lifetime growing and understanding of who he is. So let us help you in that. Right now, obviously, as things are online and we're not necessarily in person, the best way is if you would email us, hello at exchangecc.com. And someone from our team will reach out to you, they'll pray for you, they'll get a Bible to you. Um, normally I would say, you know, and find a community group, but our community groups are actually just gonna take a little bit of a break over Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're gonna relaunch again in January. And so best way is to email us so we can connect with you. Love you, church. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless.